Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, I just want to read, it says, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And that's what we left off with last week, the last verse uh, of last week's message. And basically, that, that verse is what we got this, this point of position coming through trust. A position as a child of God, position in God's eternal kingdom, only comes through trusting Jesus Christ alone. We saw that. We also saw the other two points that were very important was this. Promotion comes through humility. Uh, God is the one that exalts, but we've got to make sure that we're abasing ourselves and humbling ourselves. Uh, and that kind of goes into the second point that we saw last week, which was power comes through yielding. If you want to experience God's power in your life, if we want to experience God's power in the life of this church, then every single one of us, you individually and collectively, we've got to make sure that we are yielding to God, to the Holy Spirit, every single day of our life. Um, and His power comes. His power lives inside of us if we're saved. And so, uh, but it comes, it, it's revealed, manifested through our yielding to Him. And I want to share this. You, you won't believe we had that message about yielding and humbling ourselves and experiencing God's power, uh, experiencing all those things that God and only God can do. We did that Sunday. And then Tuesday evening, we, uh, we picked up our second uh, Bible study in our men's, uh, our new men's Bible study at Iron Sharpening Iron. And it was about greatness, being great for God, uh, greatness as, as men of God. And um, I was like, man, I, I looked at it, I said, that's amazing. Brother Jake, we were in the back, I said, that is so amazing how God works, because there's no way to orchestrate that. There's just no way to say, okay, so in six, six months, we're going to, on this Sunday, come to this message about this, and then Tuesday... That, that very next Tuesday, we're going to go over this with our men, too. Again, I, I believe that it's God uh, wanting us to understand something. He's very clear in his word that God wants us to do great things for him, uh, that he's a great God and capable of doing great things. Uh, but it's not the way that man thinks greatness comes. It's not the way that man thinks power comes. Again, we saw it last week. It comes through humbling ourselves, trusting him, and yielding to him alone. And uh, I think that's amazing the way that God's chosen to do that. Some people say, why would God do it like that? God, why would God use the humble, the, the, the yielded, the submitted to him? Uh, why wouldn't he use the, 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 only the, ambish, uh, the ambitious and those that were confident and strong and knew everything? And all? Why, why would God use those type of people? Because God gets the glory that way. God gets the glory when he uses people who humble themselves, who, who, who just simply yield and say, yes, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And uh, again, I think it's a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture of what God has uh, in store for all of our lives. But um, I think this, we've got to make sure that we've got to have the right perspective, the right view of our lives in this world right now. And that's a, an eternal perspective is what I'm talking about. We, we have to make sure we see our lives in view of eternity. The reason why I say that is because if we don't, I think we're going to miss our entire, the purpose of our existence on this earth. If we don't see our lives in view of eternity, we're going to miss the entire purpose of our lives here. What a, what a, what a tragedy that would be to spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years on this earth and miss the purpose of our time here. You're going through all the trials, the difficulties, and all that stuff and miss it all. That, that would be a tragedy. 
So you and I must, every day of our lives, say to ourselves, I'm an eternal being, and I'm only in this temporal realm for a short time, and I've got to redeem it for God's eternal purposes. And again, if we will, if we will preach that to ourselves, which is Scripture, um, then I think that we can start grabbing hold of that purpose that we exist for. Uh, but in our, in our study, as we pick up this morning, the disciples uh, were missing Christ's purpose. They were missing the mission altogether. They were grabbing it a little bit, but he was having to, to, to nurse them along the way to try to get them to remember why he was even here, why he was walking with them, the whole message from heaven. He was, he was having to walk alongside them, and still, they were still missing pieces of it, um, and they weren't getting the fullness of it. And so this morning, we're going to pick up and see what else God has for us this morning. So let's pray, and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had to worship you. You are a great God, and you're, you're an on-time God. Uh, you're a perfect God. You um, are good. And Lord, even through tragedies and, and, and struggles in our lives, uh, things like losing loved ones, like we just experienced as a church family uh, with Miss Hunter, Lord, we, um, we know you're good. We know you're right. We know that she's in your presence, she's, she's being comforted. The same thing uh, with that, that teenage girl, um, with Lee's uh, granddaughter. Well, we know that you've got a purpose in, in all of that. And even though on this side of heaven we can't understand it all, we don't have all the answers, uh, sometimes it just doesn't make sense to us. God, we, we trust you because you are good, and your love endures to every generation, God. And we know uh, that, th that no evil things come from you. And so, Lord, we know um, that she's in your hands, and you're going to work this out for your glory as well. Uh, but we do lift that family up to you. We lift the Hunter family up to you as you continue to minister to them. And this morning, as we're here uh, before you in your word, we ask that you would speak to us, God. Um, use me just as a simple vessel uh, to speak what needs to be spoken. And, Lord, I pray that every single one of our hearts would be receptive. God, we would take this time, in this, in this short time that we have, this temporal realm, and that we would engage you at this point. Lord, that we would allow you to speak to us, that your spirit would have full reign in all of our lives, God. And if we're already your ch child, Lord, uh, that we would yield, that we would take these, these, these points, that we would take this message, and we would, we would cling to it, we would hold on to it, and we would uh, use it in our lives. And if there's someone here that's not one of your, ch uh, they're not a child of yours, Lord, uh, I pray that before they leave today, they'll understand what great things you've done for them. Uh, to provide a way for them to be your child. Uh, Lord, you, you, you came you, in the form of flesh. You lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and you rose again three days later so that anyone who would believe, anyone who would call on your name, uh, could be saved. And if, again, someone hasn't done that, I pray they'd do that before they leave today. And Lord, again, we'll give you the praise for all of this, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter uh, 9 is where we picked up, but we're moving on to chapter 10. In verse 1 it says, "In these things, uh, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Uh, so very simple picture outside of the, the 12 apostles. Uh, Jesus sets aside 70 and sends them out to go before him uh, to every city, every place that he would go um, ahead of him for a purpose. And he gives, the, he, he gives this reasoning. He says this, Therefore he said unto them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And then he says this, go your ways. 
Go your ways. It's very simple. He, sets, he, he, he has these 70 that he calls out to go before him, and they've got a specific work. And he outlines why he sets them apart, outlines why he's about to commission them. He says that because of this. There's a great harvest out there, and there's not very many people that are going out there laboring in the harvest to reap it. And so I want you to go your way. I want you to go. And he says, behold, I'm sending you forth as lambs among wolves. It's not going to be easy. People are going to want to kill you. They're not going to like you. They're going to hate you because they hate me. I mean, all those things are real. But I want you to still go. Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man. By the way, you are on a mission. You've got a purpose. You're going about my mission. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall, turn, uh, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. <coughs> Excuse me. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house, and enter into whatsoever city you enter. Uh, and they receive you. Eat such things are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But... Into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not. Go your, way, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be you sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable on that day for Sodom than that city. And then he says this. He gives a couple of uh, woes. In verse 13, he goes, says this, Woe unto the Chorazim. One of the Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, shall be thrust down to hell. And he that heareth you heareth me, he that despiseth you despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, him, uh, and he that, uh, he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. Point number one is this. Eternal service should motivate us more than temporal. Eternal service should motivate us more than temporal. See, judgment is coming. And in, in Jesus' commission to these 70, it was very clear. I want you to go before me, and, and I want you to go and preach the kingdom. The kingdom of God is coming nigh. And when you go into a city and someone receives you, it's a good thing. They've received you. They're receiving the messengers of God. Um, and if they provide for you, which they should, then that's a blessing. The labor is worthy of his hire. Um, and, and, and you're doing my work. But if you go into a city and they don't, then that is their own judgment upon themselves. It's not that the apostles were saying, oh, we're better than you, we're wiping our dust, we, you know, you're, you're repulsive. It's not about that at all. It was the decision to reject the gospel message, to reject the gospel messengers. And so that was the judgment, a signifying of the judgment that was upon that city, upon the people in that city, the rejection of that message. Not seeing that the eternal is, is significant, not seeing the eternal message that was being carried to them. And again, judgment was coming. These, these cities that Jesus mentions having woes on them, uh, they, were, they had experienced great works in them. And he, he says that. He says that if the works had, that had been done in you were done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have already repented and they would be sitting in sackcloth and ashes. They would be broken over their sin state. 
They'd be broken that, that they were so far away from God. But you, all of these great works have been done in, in your city, in, in these cities, and you're not repenting. You're not turning. You say, well, what does this have to do with us? Jesus was teaching a, a lesson that he would eventually teach, and it's this, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. As American Christians... We are held, and I believe will be held, to a higher standard of service and a higher level of judgment because we've been given so much. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that when we stand before the Lord one day as American Christians, our standard of service for the kingdom of God and our, 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 our measure of judgment is going to be higher because to whom much is given, much is required. But I believe that's the problem. I believe the reason why we see ourselves the way we do today in America is because we have so much. You've heard me say this before, but our so much has led to complacency and comfort and riding on complacency and comfort. And in this, we become disenchanted with the eternal things. We've become disenchanted with even eternal service because we become infatuated. We become drunk with the temporal things. We've become drunk with temporal service, temporal work. And I believe the message is clear today as it was then. I believe Jesus could simply say the same thing today, something similar. I believe he could say something like, Woe unto thee, America, for if the mighty works which were done in thee had been done in China or Mexico or whatever, they had a while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it should be more tolerable for whatever, China or Mexico, China, Mexico, at the judgment than for you. The Bible says that God is the God of, uh, of judgment. He's the, God, the, the, the judge of the nations. He is the righteous judge, and he will judge every nation. The truths in Scripture still remain. The harvest is plenteous, and the laborers are few. The truth that Jesus is the only way still remains. The truth that we are God's army. We are God's commissioned army. We are his ambassadors, still remains true. And you and I, as God's charged army, as his commissioned people, in this abundantly blessed land of America, where we can open our Bibles freely, where we can still talk to people freely about Jesus being the only way, about judgment coming soon, in this amazingly blessed land, you and I abide, and I promise you this, we are missing a large piece of the puzzle and I believe it is the fact that we're not motivated to be a part of God's eternal service we should be motivated to be a part of something so significant I mean think about this this is God's eternal plan this is so much more important than anything on this earth so much more important than any temporal job any temporal blessing God's eternal mission his eternal plan is so much more significant than anything else here. But think about our mindset, how it goes along. Our mindset is, is we can't take from this temporal thing to do this eternal thing because it's going to cost us temporally. We, 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 we're not willing to move in the temporal realm. But all the things of eternity, because they're, they're, they're not seen. That's what 2 Corinthians says. It says that the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
And so because we can't see those treasures that are being stored up in heaven where moth and rust doesn't corrupt, because we can't see those things, and even right now we can't see the face of God, the, 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 the person of God on his throne. We can't see the, the, the mansions and, and the place that he's preparing for us. We can't see all those eternal blessings right now, but we can see all the temple. We can see our bank account. We can see uh, our, 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 the gas tank. We can see, you know, uh, the, the refrigerator. I, I call it the refrigerator. Anybody else call it the refrigerator? Refrigerator. Amen. Um, we can see the refrigerator. We can see all those things, and um, we say, well, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. We've got to do that, and, 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 and that's what becomes uh, the, the focus of our lives. Our temporal jobs, our temporal blessings, everything. When we have been placed in this eternal plan, this eternal mission of God Almighty, the judge of all nations, the God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has, has afforded this opportunity to serve. And not just afforded, but commissioned and commanded. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to do that because... The harvest is plenteous and the labors are still few. But what, what are we missing? Again, I believe we're missing that motivation well, because our perspective is skewed. We, we, we've got to make sure all of the temporal things are lined up. And when it comes to the eternal, we are negotiating those things. We negotiate the eternal service things. We negotiate even whether we get eternal blessings or not. We don't really even consider that many times. But God so abundantly blessed us in the temporal. Again, I, I'm afraid that in America, even American Christians are more, more motivated in their temporal jobs than they are in the eternal work of God's kingdom. Let's, let's be honest. Let's do an evaluation. Let's, let's really look at our lives and say, is that me? You know, it, it does... does me having to be there on time and, and so I don't get docked pay or I don't get reprimanded or me uh, having to, to be there so much and work so much to get so much to pay bills and, and do this and do that. Say, so yeah, but we live in this world right now. we got that responsibility. Absolutely. But is that more important? Do we see to that more? Do we attend to that? Are we more motivated to do those things than we are to show up for God and to show up for the things of God, to show up to serve God? And that's what I'm afraid that where we're at. I'm afraid in this nation, that's where we're at. We're more motivated for the temporal work than we are for God's eternal work. And I think we've got to ask that question. God has given me grace to not only be saved, but he's given me grace to serve him. And, and, and am I missing the whole point of my life here? Because I, I, I'm, I'm having maybe a misconstrued idea of God's grace. So we don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be his child. We don't deserve to, to, to serve him. But he's done that. He's saved us. He's called us. He's placed us in his service all by his grace for a very significant eternal work. For something that is so far beyond our imagination right now that we can't even put it into words. A lot of people feel stuck in temporal jobs. A lot of people get um, a place where they say, you know, I just feel like I'm a dead-end job, or I feel like I'm doing the same things over and over. I get up, go to work, punch in, do my job, punch out, go home. I feel like it's, I mean, it's a, it's a cycle. It's just a, a rigmarole that I go through day in and day out. 
But it's not to be that for the child of God. That's not to be our, our existence on this earth. We are on this earth for an eternal mission. I think about the tragedy of that young teenage girl that just passed away yesterday, Brother Tim Lee's granddaughter, and, and with her 16 years old, I think. And, and, and you may think, well, what in the world? I mean, she didn't even get to live her life. She's such a young girl. That's so tragic. But listen, she is a part of God's eternal plan. She had, she had accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior. She was here. And though I don't understand it, and, 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 and though even that truth doesn't just take away the pain of the loss of, of, of someone like that, it's still the truth that God had a purpose for her life. And here in this temporal realm, at this point in time, he was done with her purpose here. And that's hard. That, that's a, humanly speaking, and in a temporal realm, that's hard to wrap our brains around. It's hard uh, to, to grasp. But that is the truth. God has a purpose, and it's eternal for every single one of our lives. And if we go through this life so focused on the temporal, so focused on our temporal work, and we miss that whole eternal purpose, we've missed it all. We've missed the point of it all. And again, that's what I'm afraid that's going on in, in America today. It's not to be that way for the children of God. Jesus specifically sent the 70 on a very specific mission. Jesus very specifically has sent us on the same gospel mission. The 70 were sent with God's power in their life. We are sent with God's power in our life to do his work. It's the same. I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly the same. Those 70 specific work, but it, but it was a, a gospel work, a gospel mission. We're on the gospel mission. It's the same power from Almighty God, same power from Almighty God. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says that. He tells that first church, says very carefully, but you shall, you going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then he says, and you shall be witnesses. That's your job. That's your purpose. That's, your, that's the work I'm sending you on. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. You're going to have power to do the work that I have you on this earth to do. That's our purpose. And so this morning, I want to make sure that we have the right perspective in this life. And, and, and be motivated. To make sure that we are motivated to be doing this work every single day. God's eternal mission. He's... He, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. It's all his grace. But it's still the work that we have and only a short amount of time to get it done. And so when we begin to, to look at what has to be done as a, as a child of God and as a member of a church body, let's, let's make sure that we're evaluating our motivation. Well, the, the, tomorrow is Monday morning. And I'm going to get up, and, and maybe you got goals, or maybe you got a business trip, or you maybe got this, you got that, you got things you got to get done in your temporal job. But I want to challenge you this morning, encourage you this morning, let nothing in your temporal job be more motivating to you than your responsibility as a child of God Monday morning to be about his eternal mission, to be about the eternal work of God. And so how does that do? I mean, I go out to the job site, and I, I, I build a house, or I, I go out, and I dig a ditch or I go out and I, I, I manage this company or I out and do this. How, how am I going to do that? You are light and you are salt and you are to be looking for every opportunity as a child of God, wherever you're at, wherever I'm at, to shine that light and to be that salt. Everywhere. 
God doesn't have you just where you're at just for a pointless purpose. It's all a part of his eternal plan. There's very different, many different skills and, and, and trades and education and, and, and so many varied people in here. I can't, I can't run an insurance company. I can't, I can't be an engineer. I can't uh, do the thing. I can't be a, a school teacher. I can't do those things that, that many people are doing in this, in this congregation. But God has equipped you and God has placed you there. So that where you're at on a daily basis, you are doing the eternal mission that God has you here for. It's not just about Thursday nights that we do corporately trying to reach this community, but it is also about that. It's about being about the mission of of God's kingdom, and we should be so motivated to do that. That should be driving our every day, because I have a hard time getting up and going to work Monday mornings, man. It's tough, because I go back, like I said a while ago, it's the same rigmarole every day. Every day, every week, same thing. We'll stop looking at it like that and start being about God's eternal mission. Start saying, okay, God, maybe I'm working with somebody. Maybe somebody is, is in, maybe I, I have a, an employee that, that you want me to be ministering to. Maybe, maybe I'm supposed to be reaching a customer that I come in contact with, or, or, or I have no idea, or a coworker. But God, I, I want to be invigorated with your eternal mission where you have me and be motivated every single day to be about God's eternal mission. Let's look on in verse 17 and 70. Return again with joy, saying, Lord, Even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Get get that little last part there, through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I love that phrase right there. If you underline or highlight in your Bibles, underline that. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Did you just get what happened? The 70 come back from doing this, and and they are rejoicing. They are full of joy. Jesus, you can't believe what's going on. I mean, even the, the, the devils are subject to us through your name. It's in your name that we see this power revealed through our lives. And Jesus said, listen, you guys, you have no idea. You have no idea. I've given you my power. And, 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 and nothing ultimately is going to hurt you. Now, let's, let's, let's clarify something because there are some crazies that take things out of context and take this verse and say, hey, we should go grab some snakes. God said he gave us power over serpents and, serpents and nothing's going to hurt us. That's not at all what that verse is saying. And I'm not going to grab a snake <laughs> unless I'm pulling it off my wife or, or my daughters. Or <laughs> I'm not grabbing a snake. And that's not what Jesus was saying. He was, given, he was given that comparison that in this world, even the power of the enemy can't touch the power that he gave to them. Nothing can touch them. Nothing can hurt them. Nothing can compare to the power that he filled them with, filled them with to do the work that he called them to do. And you and I are filled with the same power. It's not about grabbing uh, uh, snakes. It's not about stepping on scorpions and not getting hurt. It's not about that stuff. It's about compared to the things that can hurt us, the things that affect us, the things that uh, come against us. In this world, nothing can touch the power of Almighty God. Nothing. And so he was saying, that's that's nothing. And then he says this. 
But I, I want you to understand something in verse 20. Compared to this, this fact, this should be where your rejoicing lies, the fact that your names are written in heaven. Because i got to work for you here. It's a temporal work. It's a temporal work, and, and, and yes, I'll give you power to, 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 uh, to accomplish this work, and, and, and through you, I can do things that you can't do by yourself, absolutely, but guess what? It's going to end eventually. The fact that you're going to be with me for eternity, that's what needs to be your rejoicing. That's what needs to be your joy. Again, they had, they had returned from honoring his command. They had returned from being obedient to his commission. And, and their report was that they were blessed. And they were joyful because God had blessed their work. God had blessed their obedience. And they were joyful. They were faithful to his call. And I think that's vital for us to get today. I think a couple very important things that we need to understand is this. We don't need to expect God to honor our request if we're not faithfully honoring his see god has some when i say request that god has some commands god has some things that he said this is what i want you to do and we come to places in our lives sometimes and we say god this is what i want you to do god this is what i need you to do but we're not faithfully honoring what he's asked us to do we can't expect him to honor that if we're not faithfully honoring his. And in similar ways, don't expect God to move or, or to bless or, or to work on your behalf if you're not working on his behalf. And so, oh, yeah, I, I think God moves on, on my behalf regardless because of his grace. That's like saying God would have moved on, on, on Moses' behalf if Moses, is what, Moses wouldn't have obeyed God. Moses obeyed God. Now, he was stubborn. I mean, there was a process of God moving Moses to that place. But God blessed and God gave him power beyond what Moses could do himself. God, God used him. God did amazing things and, and all those things because what? Because Moses finally said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll obey what you're commanding me to do. Same thing with Abraham. Same thing with the Apostle Paul. The Damascus Road that's what Paul says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And then he did it. And look what God did with the Apostle Paul. He blessed him. And so let's not be naive and let's not be so foolish to think that we can go to God and say, God, I need you to fix this. I need you to do this. I need you to move like this. I need you to work like this in my life, in my marriage, in my job, in my, in my family, whatever. But we're not moving and working in what he's called us to do. See, every person that God moved on their behalf moved on his behalf. Every person. And they say, well, what is that about? It's about faith and obedience. It's not about works. It's not about, okay, I'm doing all these things for God. Now, God, I need you to do this for me. It's not about that. It's about trusting God. And here, his, here is his command and obeying his, his command. That's what it's about. It's about faith and obedience. The disciples didn't deserve to go. They didn't deserve to do what they, I mean, we saw what happened right before Jesus was crucified. 
I mean, Peter cursing the Lord and denying him three times, all of them fleeing. I mean, all, they didn't deserve to have that other chance. They didn't deserve to go and do what they did after he rose from the dead. It was his grace. The 70 here didn't deserve to go and do, but they did, and they obeyed, and they worked, and God moved on their behalf. But greater than that, greater than that, was the thing that Jesus pointed out. They were the children of God by faith. Their names were written in heaven. Their names were written in heaven. See, by getting wrapped up in this temporal realm, getting wrapped up in, in temporal mindsets, we can miss the most important of eternal blessings and realities. We get so focused on all this stuff that's going on in our world and in our, in our, in our lives and in the temporal realm, and we can, we can lose sight of some of the greatest eternal blessings and realities that exist in our lives. There's no doubt it's awesome to see God move and work right now. And when, when, you, when you need God to, to, to provide something, when you need God to, uh, to work on your behalf, you need Him to heal something, it's amazing to see Him work in, in these ways. I really need God to, to, to bless our finances. I really need God to, to heal my, my friend. I need him to heal my loved one. I need God to work in this situation. And it's awesome to see when he does. It's amazing. We praise God. We rejoice in that. And all those things are awesome, and we should, 100%. But Jesus was teaching them, as well as us now, at point number two, is that eternal blessing should stir us more than temporal. Eternal blessings should stir us more than temporal blessings. And I think that we need to keep ourselves in check with this. Again, there shouldn't be anything that brings us more excitement than being a child of God. And I think that we could all admit in here today there have been times in our life, or maybe right now, that there are things that excite us more than being the fact that we are a child of God. And we can, and we can say, if we are or, or, um, introspect, you know, introspectively looking and examining ourselves and looking within and saying, you know, uh, no, I think the most exciting thing is the fact that I am a child of God. But that's because for that moment we step back and we examine the scope of everything. And in this moment, in this church service, and we're talking about these things, it's easy for us to say, yeah, the most important thing to me in my life is being a child of God. But is that the reality in our daily lives? Is that truly what stirs us up every day? We get up and we say, "Woo, praise God, I'm a child of God. Man, I'm so excited. I, no matter what happens today, my name is written in heaven. And again, I think for the most part, most of us get wrapped up in the temporal, and that's not the mindset or the heart set that we have. I said a while ago, there shouldn't be anything that brings us more excitement as a child of God to serve our God. If the most important thing should beat us, the, the thing that causes us to rejoice so much is the fact that God gave us his grace, and we're his child by faith, and we know that heaven is our eternal home. If that's the thing that, sh that stirs us up the most, that's the greatest blessing that we see in our life, then there is no question there should be nothing that motivates us more then than to serve God. Does that make sense? If, if the most important thing in our life, the, most thing, the thing that brings us most joy is being a child of God, if that's the most important thing, then there should be nothing else that we do in this world more important that motivates us more than to be about his business, than to be about his service. It's sad that we get preoccupied with jobs 
with temporal things, set God aside, his stuff aside. Ah, it's not a big deal if I don't do that, if I'm not there, if I, if, I, if I do this, if I go there, it's not a big deal. And again, still expecting God to bless and move on our behalf. What are we thinking? That's not how it works. It's not how God works. Let's not be so infatuated with this world that we miss what God has. Let's, let's be fixated on Jesus Christ. Let's be, in, let's be so motivated and, and, and so stirred up about him that we enjoy serving him and we're excited about serving him no matter what happens. That's where we should be. And as we close in verse 21, it says this, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in, in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes, unto those who are willing to hear and listen. Even so, Father... For so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and, the fa and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned him, uh, turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. We have been so tremendously blessed. As not just Christians, but as American Christians. And this morning, the question I want to ask in light of that is what are we doing with it? What are we doing with all of the amazing blessings that God has poured out in our life in this temporal realm? Are we serving God with it? Are we staying focused on His eternal mission with it? Or are we serving ourselves are we so wrapped up in this temporal realm? Are we serving the world? What are we doing with everything God has given to us? Is it about temporal pursuits? Or are we fixed, truly fixed on eternity? If God allows us to live out the rest of this day and we close our eyes tonight and sleep and wake them tomorrow morning and he gives us another day, my prayer is that we would wake up and we would be fixed on eternity. That we would set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth. That we'd be stirred with the fact that we're the children of God and afforded by His grace to serve Him in His kingdom. And that would motivate us. 2017 presents yet another opportunity to serve God. We saw a year pass, and now we have another opportunity to give God our all. But I want to be honest with you this morning. I'm afraid that we're already missing it. I'm afraid that we're already missing it. Do you, do you remember, can you go back just two months ago to the day? And the country was stirred up. There was a fervor, a panicked fervor. The nation, specifically Christians in this nation, was so stirred up to make sure that one particular candidate wasn't elected. Or what? The end. That's what many people thought. Well, if this happens, say goodbye. We were stirred up. I'm afraid we're missing it two months later. If you recall, I shared after the election 
what maybe seems like another chance with our freedoms as Christians, that, that we needed to capitalize on it. We need to see as an opportunity what, what seems like God may be doing so that we have those freedoms still and to use them. But I believe we came to the place that we were at because we were drunk on this world. As Christians in America, I think that we were, on, in large part, unaffected by eternal things and unaffected, unmotivated by eternal service. I think that we are at a place that we could take or leave the things of God, for the most part. I'm not saying everybody, but for the most part, we could take or leave the things of God. As long as we were convinced that we had a ticket to heaven, church services, gospel service, whatever, all negotiable, all subject to our comfort and convenience. And sadly, I've, I've observed the last couple months since just that stir and that fervor. That, that, that passionate time that we had. Oh, we, we've got to do this because our, our Christian freedoms, our, our freedoms as a people may go away. In two, much, in two months' time, from that fervorous place, I don't know how much has changed. I don't know how much more passion for God and the things of God is being expressed by the people of God. Can we be real and honest? I mean, let's think about our own lives. I mean, we were in a panic state. We were praying fervently. We were praying, God, please don't. Please, God, please, please, please help. God, we want to be free. We want to serve you. We don't want these things taken away. God, please, 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 please. And then two months later, where were we back at? We're back at the same place, falling into that same place of comfort and convenience. And again, I think that we got worked up and we got all passionate about an election and I think it was more about preserving our comfort than anything else. I'm, I'm not too sure that we were really afraid about losing certain Christian freedoms. I think that we were worried about losing our comforts. How it would affect our lives as we know it. And now that's over, we see this next president about to be inaugurated. Again, I don't know that there's been an increase of devotion or increase of passion because of what happened. So I challenged this then, and I want to challenge this again now. We better get more passionate about the things of God. We better get more devoted than we were before November 8th of 2016. You say, or else what? It may just be a way worse situation sooner than it is later. God's not just going to let his people exist in a world and they're not engaged in his eternal mission. They're not doing what he's called them to do forever. He's not just going to let us exist like that. To get drunk on this world and, and infatuated with its, its offerings, that doesn't honor him. So as the musicians make their way, I want to challenge you again let's make sure that eternal service motivates us more than any temporal service could let's make sure that when we get up tomorrow we think okay god you, you've given me another day to give the gospel to be light to be salt to 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 make an eternal impact in this world you've given me another day god i want to i want to redeem it i want to redeem this time because the days are evil and when we wake up tomorrow, if God gives us another day, let's not be so more excited about what our paycheck looks like at the end of the week or 
what we might get at the end of the week or what we might, activities we might do through the week. When we get up tomorrow morning, let's be more stirred up and excited that we're a child of God, that our names are written in heaven, and we get to serve a holy God undeservingly. And I'm going to challenge us with that. Lastly, is, is your name written in the book of life? Is your name written in heaven? And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know if my name's written in heaven or not. Then I want to encourage you this morning. We'll have a couple of ministers down here. And you don't know that your name's written in heaven. I'm begging you to please come down here. And let them show you what that means. Let them show you in scripture how you can know your name is written in heaven. In God's book of life, that you can know eternity, eternal life is yours. I beg you to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the opportunity that we have, again, to be in your presence, Lord, to be in your word. And God, as I've already prayed, I've asked you to help me, Lord, and forgive me. Lord, I don't want to be stirred up by anything in this world more than I am about being your child. Lord, I want to, I want to be stirred up about the fact that you saved me by your grace, that I'm your child, that I'm going to spend eternity with you, that I know that this world with all of its hurt and heartache and sickness and disease and death is only for a short season, God, and I'm going to be able to spend eternity with, with, with other loved ones who are saved as well. I thank you for that blessing. And I, also, again, I don't want to be more motivated to do anything in this world. I, don't want, I want to be motivated only to do your eternal work. God, you've given us just a short time to do it, and I pray that you would start with me and that we'd redeem it. We'd see every day as an opportunity to obey you. God, we ask you to just move now in this invitation. We'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.